Hello and welcome to the eStories podcast, um, a podcast all about audiobooks brought to you by eStories.com. eStories.com is a audiobook service which uh, allows you to uh, browse a catalogue of over how many audiobooks are we up to now? No, 120k. 120k. Uh, growing by the day, 120k um, audiobooks, you can... Choose between one credit a month, two credits a month, three credits a month, um, pay monthly, annually, all that good stuff. Um, you can probably tell I'm not a salesperson. <laughs> I don't describe it. Uh, audiobooks, eStories.com um, for everything audiobooks. And we are Matt Robinson. Brian Fairbog. Um, we work here at eStories.com. I work on the product side of things, and Brian is a uh, is our creative director. Um, so yeah, welcome to eStories podcast, podcast all about audiobooks. It's episode nine. Wow, um, it's been a while. We took a little break, um, partly through I want to say laziness. Laziness, but we also have been very busy. We have been very busy here, working on a number of uh, big projects. Um, found it difficult to find the time. I'm sure you're not really too fussed. Um, or it's a, it's not like we have uh, millions of of uh, fans um, awaiting our next our, our next move. But um, yeah, we'll try and keep it a little bit more regular. Um, I think our last episode was what three weeks ago, more than that. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, episode nine, we went away and uh, listened to a uh, book by Kristen Hanna. You might know her from her previous work, uh, The Nightingale. I didn't realize that she had written already like 20 plus books. She's such an accomplished author But before she like had the big break. But it, The Nightingale is the one that everyone knows her for, right? Yes, it's definitely the one that everyone knows her for. She's had a few other movies that are... Uh... Sort of in development, but the Nightingale is oh, the one okay. that is progressing the quickest and is definitely the one that made the biggest impact on her career. Did you read or listen to the Nightingale? You know, I have not. It's been on my list of things to do or things to listen to for some time. It was actually one of the books that we featured heavily when E-Stories launched. Yeah, so that was a good year and a half ago, two years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a huge. that was a huge release when it came out, a lot of fanfare. Um, heard good things, so I was quite excited to go and um, listen to The Great Alone, her second, uh, well, her follow-up to The Nightingale. It's not her second book. It's probably like her 20-something. But, um, yeah, what did you think, first of all? I want to get your reaction to, to The Great Alone. Well, just to quickly follow up on what she is in development, um, The Things We Do for Love has uh, been in development for some time, as well as Homefront. Um she also has a book called Firefly, Firefly Lane, but she's turned down several adaptations. She just feels that she hasn't found the right fit for that particular book. Um, that seems to sort of be the, the book that she was first noticed for, um, sort of not internationally, but by a greater... Right, uh, by the literary of, community. Outside of the literary community. Got it. Community. So it seems like, like that that is progressing uh, nicely now that uh, The Nightingale has been picked up. Uh, with with so much fanfare, um, the Great Alone. So I really enjoyed it. At times, at times, at at other times, it was difficult to listen to, just sort of because of what it dealt with. Um, 
I do feel that she painted or created a fairly good picture. Um, but ultimately, I think it fell a little flat out of convenience. I thought that there was definitely some things that... And again, we're trying not to spoil it for our readers or for, for our listeners. We're giving our opinion. We're not trying to give away, you know, whole threads of the plot. Right. But I felt that um, there were quite a few things that were convenient that life doesn't really work that way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it kicks off with with her. Uh, I mean, to give you a very brief ba- bit of background to the or context rather to the to the book um a uh, post vietnam um a an army vet um his picks up his family and uproots and goes to alaska you've got um a the beautiful mother the um bookish daughter and the sort of crazy dad i guess the sort mm-hmm. of um you know uh, i you know PTSD affected um, conspiracy theory uh, isolationist survivalist um, dad who wants to go away and you know isolate himself from the rest of the world and and he's just angry yeah so but but right away the guy gets he conveniently gets a bit of land in a cabin and it kind of does does set the tone right there um, everything I I certainly felt it you know plot wise it was just you know very by the numbers i want to say um yeah there was this constant th- sense of the things that are go- the, the things are going to go bad and you could just kind of see them happening um yeah it was so much so that the, the plot turns you're just waiting for mm-hmm. you know um and uh, overall i guess what I, I was disappointed in the book, first of all. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it sounded great. I was expecting, you know, these um, flowery descriptions of Alaskan vistas and yeah. of the hardships of life out there. But it was all just kind of reduced to, you know, oh, it's harsh and cold. And then that's it. And, um, yeah, I... Yeah, I was just disappointed. I thought it was very by the numbers, very um, predictable. Um, yeah, so. I was. I have to admit that I'm right there with you in uh, sharing sort of the letdown, a, a little bit of of the disappointment. It was my pick. I'd sort of built it up based on what I'd heard. It um, sounds great. It yeah. sounds you know. I'd love everything. I mean, you're talking. I'm somebody who sits and watches, um, you know, endless YouTube videos about people, you know, um, picking up and taking a van and living in the wilderness and building log cabins. And I love that kind of stuff. Sticks and stones. Yeah. That the whole van life uh, trend that's, that's happening. I love it. But, uh, and that's what I maybe right, you know, rightly or wrongly, I, I went into the book hoping for an element of that. Yeah. You know, survivalism and, um, but it was just kind of, they, it could have been anywhere. They could have moved to anywhere. I had and, sort know? of, I had sort of hoped that there would be a little bit of a, a family version of, or a family unit version of Into the Wild by John. Uh, exactly. Uh, John. 
Krauker. Um, that's what I was hoping for. I was really hoping for that sort of that's that. it, like a di- a diary, a survivalist diary, or yeah. Um, Whereas this was a little bit more lifetime movie. It was, it was, yeah, it was very melodramatic. Yeah. The one thing that I will say that did sort of there was a slight bit of redemption in it is that the, at the very end when they spoke about how it was truly inspired by a really by um, a relationship that that the author had in her life, right. Um, through family or friends that, that that had a similar experience in Alaska, that gave it some sort of credibility mm-hmm. for the convenience, but also. But at the same time, knowing that, like I was reading up about Kristen Hanna and how she grew up in Seattle or wherever around there, and her family moved to Alaska and they opened like a, a vacation resort or something like that. Um. Knowing that, I'm kind of looking at the character, the Lenny character, the main, you know, the main, uh, main character, and her just being like, "Oh, it's me. I'm, mm. I'm this, I'm this bookish, smart girl on the inside, and this tough, rugged, um, can deal with anything on the outside." And it was very like just a little trite for me. Um, yeah, and another thing I found was that the characters were all that was very binary. Mm-hmm. They're either all good or all bad. You know, you've got very little gray area. Yeah, you know that, that's not that's not true to life. You know. No. Um, anyway, I'm I'm bashing it. There was a there was a lot of there was good stuff in there. It was you know it held held my attention. Um, it moves along at a decent pace. It takes a little while to get to to get going. Um, but uh, yeah. Well, we've spoken a lot about our faults and things that we thought sort of maybe didn't work. Um, was there anything that did work for you and anything that you sort of um, thought was su- successful? Um, I thought some of the peripheral characters were quite good. This large Marge character and um, just how they kind of painted a picture of her of this idea of a of a city lawyer that gave it all up to move to alaska i wanted more of that i yeah. wanted more of that wanted more of her i wanted story. to understand like what what her story was mm-hmm. um she, i always thought that she, that she would be that almost the family dynamic was the MacGuffin for more of the alaska story with characters like right. marge and uh the other uh man walker walker yeah walker, yeah thank you um yeah, I, I definitely wanted more of more of those guys, um, and more about this the 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 the, the village. Well, it's not a village, but the the settlements. Mm-hmm. Um, more descriptive. It, yeah, it just veered into the melodramatic for me. For me, uh, the the element that I enjoyed the most and probably the biggest discovery was the narration uh, by Julia Wellen. I really enjoyed her, her voice and mm-hmm. and her cadence. Yeah, um, especially when we're listening to it at an adjusted speed. Like it's it's nice that her voice was still yeah so approachable and personal. Um, and looking at at her history and what she's done, I would argue she's probably one of the most successful female narrators we have on the site. We're talking that she's done Gone Girl, Since mm. She Fell, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn what's H- Hugo. What's her name? Sorry, Wife Between Us, Julia Wellen. Let me just check if she is uh, nominated. 
Yep, she's nominated for an Audie, which we will talk about. In- yeah. I, I was I was absolutely shocked after in, enjoying her voice and going, I've heard that before, looking back. Fates and Furies, Emma in the Night. Like, she is in demand right now. Yeah, it, it, the, the narration did sound very familiar. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, I knew she'd done she'd done uh, Gone Girl, which I did I I did enjoy. Although she does have that every every male character has a little um, has a little uh, almost a lisp like that, <laughs> which slightly annoys me. But that's very. It's like everyone's everyone sounds like every male character sounds like Sean Connery. Okay. Yeah. Slightly, but then that's nitpicking. It's not really, you know, doesn't take you out of out of the action. So I I would say regardless I'm I'm very happy that I listened to this book. Oh yeah, for her for, for her sure narration. But I think you've also inspired me a little bit when it comes to books right now. That um, while I was critical of The Great Alone, the way in which I listened to it proved that I still enjoyed it in the sense that I for me I turned it on and I didn't really put it down until I was done. Not that the story deemed that. It's just sort of that's the time and circumstance that I had for this particular book. Mm-hmm. But I'm not giving books a second and third chance. If I'm not into it, if I'm not enjoying it, mm-hmm. I'm not slogging through them anymore. Hmm. And that's sort of, I think you've had a similar approach to media lately. Yeah. Uh, where you're, you're, you're not, you're done with those junk hours. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no point. What, what are you getting out of it if you're, um, yeah, you're slogging through something. But I, I think that you can enjoy, you can be critical of something. Like I'm very critical of this book, but ultimately I found it a worthwhile experience yeah. listening to it. I think that is, um, it's, it's still a valuable use of your time. Mm-hmm. You know, um. So yeah, I would, um, would I. Go back and listen to the Nightingale. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, maybe <laughs> it's not going to jump to the top of my list. Yeah, I would. I would uh, tend to agree with that. I, I think after we listened to um, the Address by Fiona Davis, I was interested in her previous book, the, the Dollhouse. Yes, because of that book. Yes. Whereas here, I was more interested in the Nightingale before. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not, especially because the narration is different. Yeah, I can take or leave it. Um, I, I, I can kind of see what her writing style is going to be like, and I get it. I'm kind of, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if you know, if one of her books comes comes up and it has a particularly intriguing premise or whatever, I'll jump in. But um, not going to run run back and listen. I, I, I found a lot of her dialogue actually um, verging on the. Um, cliche mm. certainly the romantic stuff and the stuff about like how alaska like the sort of i was reading a, a review um i think it was a new york times review it's saying like a lot of the a lot of her writing around alaska was like a bumper sticker you know there's a two types of men in alaska or you know what i mean like it was very yeah cliched yeah but um Okay, well, let's end that uh, this section off on a positive note. Um, as we say, very worthwhile listen. Um, what did you get out of it? What, give us some positive. What did you? Because you you initially said that you you liked it, which yeah. 
what what was it about the book that you liked it? What did you get out of it? Um, I think I covered that a little bit. I, I really enjoyed the narration. I enjoyed the narration. enjoyed the experience of listening to it. Um, growing up in Western Canada and having sort of an experience with um, Alaska personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that I've spent a, a great amount of time in that environment. Um, I liked a, I, I liked some of the storytelling. It, in and around that, mm-hmm. like the the knocking back of brush and the building of the gate and the conversations about the actual, like how how the school children were mm, yeah. were, were treated and sort of almost almost as whole whole adults, but still at that school age, you know, like right. the the scene about the teacher arranging for the visit in in the biplane wholly unrealistic in modern society mm-hmm. but in that time period in that scenario that was a little nugget of right of truth and, and, and realism and i really enjoyed that that's true that's true you're, you're right you're bringing the stuff around the school was did uh, seem realistic and natural um yeah i i would say much of the same um the narration was very good um I thought the, the the tempo was good, you know, didn't drag too much. Took a while to get going, but kind of hit, hit a bit of a stride and things happened very quickly and um, when you expected them to, but in a good way as well as a bad way. Um, so, yeah, I think that about sums it up. Shall we move on? Definitely. What is our book this week? So our book this week, uh, I may be falling on my sword by making another recommendation. But uh, this one came across my desk as a book that we're actually featuring that I wasn't aware of. Um, and it's sort of being alluded to if uh, Gillian Flynn and Patricia Highsmith were to write a book okay. uh, together, that th- this would be the, the, the product. Okay. It's a, a super group. A super group. Um, for those of you that, that don't know, Patricia Highsmith is uh, a famous female uh, writer uh, from... 1950s 1960s mm-hmm. if i'm not mistaken um the the two pieces that, that 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 she wrote that i sort of learned about her with are strangers on, strangers on the train yeah which was hitchcock's uh one of hitchcock's famous uh american films and the talented mr ripley which you know is a series in itself i think of five books mm-hmm. um just she's just a fantastic uh literary mind like just the way she writes the the cadence the, the the characters but also the the worlds that she creates around them um have such a sense of, of, of realism and uh, a tangible nature um so i was really excited about this book and then even more so and i think what sold you is when it, you found out it was optioned by george clooney with the potential for scarlett johansson to star right um and the book is tangerine uh, a little bit of a description the last uh person Alice Shipley expected to see since arriving in Tangier was her new husband. Uh, uh, w- with her new husband was Lucy Mason. After the accident, accident at the uh, Bennington, the, the two friends, once in- inseparable roommates, haven't spoken in over a year. But there Lucy was trying to make things right and return to their old rhythms. Perhaps Alice should be happy. She is not adjusted to life in Morocco, too afraid to venture out in- into the bustling uh, Medanines and oppressive heat. Lucy, always fearless and independent, helps Alice emerge 
from her flat and explore the country. Right. So, um, Christine Mangan debut debut novel, I believe. Um, Tangerine derived from the name of given to expats who live in Tangiers. I did think that the title was kind of odd. I was immediately intrigued. Um, it reminded me, wasn't there a movie recently called something like this? There was one called Tangerine, was directed it? in 2015, filmed on an iPhone 5. Was that the one with the um, um, prostitutes in LA or something? Yes. That was a great movie. Yes. Love that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, I, I, I had to look that up. Tangerine is the name of expats uh, in Tangiers. And don't ask me how I know this, but the fact that it was, it's set in 1950s Morocco is very interesting to me because that's prime Moroccan independence time. And Tangiers was actually a, a demilitarized international zone at that time. So I'm really intrigued. To, so basically, um, Morocco was kind of in the throes of, um, you know, uh, French rule, Spanish rule, British rule. And Tangiers was kind of designated as this area that nobody ruled. So a lot of, it, it attracted a lot of Europeans, a lot of Americans, a lot of whatever else. It became this hive of cultural activity in the 50s. So I'm I'm personally very, you know, keen to, to see what picture is painted of that time. Um as I, as I know, you know, at that time, Tangiers was this this uh, unique kind of place. And um, although I, I read up that she, there's only one Moroccan character in oh. this book, so I'm kind of I'm kind of interested to see how <clears> it. <throat> but I think that's it's more from a uh, right right the outsider um, perspective. It's an, it's about somebody who doesn't uh, like. Uh, where she is, she doesn't. She doesn't fit in. Yeah. To Morocco, so, um, which makes a, which makes a change from, you know, um, books set in far flung places where they're all in awe and oh, it's fantastic and yeah. completely I, I integrated. Found yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Um, I, I say Christine Mangan. It's her debut. Um, very very excited for that. So listen along. Um, we will be discussing that book next two weeks in two weeks without, with, without yes. delay. Without, without we'll be delay. back on schedule. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, moving on, uh, really quickly, did you listen to anything else, uh, during the, I guess almost hiatus? Listen, no. Um, I've got a lot on my list. <laughs> um, I went through, I don't even know what inspired it i think it was maybe the oscars with daniel day lewis i kind of started watching a bunch of daniel day lewis movies and the first one that popped to my popped into my mind was my left foot it's this this book that i've this uh, movie rather that um and a book that i've never seen and it keeps popping up you know so i watched that movie and and then from that i uh watched uh the theory of everything with stephen hawking just because i know he died as well but Mm -hmm. it was um more from this sort of disabled 
point of view. Like mm-hmm. I'm kind of I'm kind of intrigued by actors playing disabled people. Eddie Redmayne did a fantastic yeah, job. Yeah, and it, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, why not just get somebody disabled to play that role? And um, same with you know, in my left foot. Um, and uh, the but the other one that that's sort of mentioned in the same breath as my left foot was the diving bell and the butterfly story of a guy uh, a french guy uh jean dominique bobby who um is in a car crash and he can only move his uh, left eye so he can only wink so they develop a system with him and his you know his therapist and stuff develop a system whereby he can communicate by blinking at the right time when um she reads out letters anyway he wrote a book (laughs) by blinking so that book is actually on um it's a great movie by the way but the book is on um is on e-stories it's only like a couple hours i mean how much how much yeah. copy can you get out of of uh Blink. blinking but yeah incredible story um i'm gonna that's on that's on my list now i'm gonna li- um, listen to that book um and i highly recommend the movie actually i was completely taken aback i thought when it came have you heard about the diving bell and the yes. butterfly it came around have you seen it you know, it's one of those ones I'm pretty sure I've seen it. Right. But as you're talking about it, I'm not recalling it the way that I normally would. Right. It might have made it to the list and just never, and just no follow through. Yeah. Um, it sounds boring. Like, you know, I don't like this, the title. It sounds a little bit artsy fartsy and whatever, but it's, it totally took me by surprise. Great movie. Um, very, it moves, moves quick. You know, it's not like pensive and, and reflective. Um, other than that, yeah, listening, no, not much. Um, I am desperate to get back into something. I think I've been listening to a lot of podcasts. I was telling you my, my soccer podcasts have like, it's, it's, it's like, uh, what do you call cell division? (laughs) I don't know what that's called, but you know, uh... so they have, they've, they've exploded. So I had one that main one the guardian football weekly podcast that i used to listen to um and still do the presenter of that left and started his other uh, a new one uh, an independent one called um forget totally football show i started listening to them both that's two and then um they launched uh uh so they will talk about different leagues and they mainly focus on the english premier league but they'll spend like 10 minutes talking about the Italian league or the French league or whatever. And they spawned a, that spawned another podcast about the, the, the Italian league. So now I listen to that one. And so it's like this, all these offshoots. Anyway, my time is being sucked dry by football podcasts, um, which I need to get under control and find more time to listen to, to some audiobooks. Uh, what about yourself? Um, I have actually been the exact opposite where I've sort of pushed back on podcasts, um, film. I've seen a few, nothing truly great to report, um, but I've been listening to a few audiobooks. Uh, yeah, you mentioned some true crime. Yeah, I'll get to that. Uh, the first one that I listened to was Munich uh, by Robert Harris. It's a bit of a spy thriller uh, backed on the uh, Munich conference from September 1938. Good. not great okay uh i just i I didn't enjoy it okay it was one of those ones that i almost gave up but uh i got through it 
I just I just feel I didn't identify with the characters. The second audiobook that uh that I listened to was actually sort of a nice follow up on one of our earlier podcasts about musicians is I uh dipped my toes into Bruce Springsteen, oh, someone wow. who I've loved for a long time. Um but I did his uh his autobiography Born to Run. That too is nominated I believe for a an Audi. Yep. Uh, autobiography memoir, and it was fantastic. Really good. It was really good. Right. He paints a really brilliant picture of sort of his story, and I definitely say his story in that I'm sure it was not that clean cut. Mm-hmm. He definitely talks about the warts and the bruises and the sort of the on the underbelly a little bit. And it's and, written and narrated by Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, and uh, he definitely doesn't hold many punches but i think anyone who's talking about themselves will will always be holding a punch back right you know of things that they may not have been proud of but ultimately it gave me a new appreciation for him in that time period and uh i really liked it. the other thing that was interesting about that is there's a he released an album called chapter and verse on spotify um that actually references key sort of hard to find compositions or mm. uh musical or songs from different chapters and verses within the actual book. And I thought that was a nice accompaniment. Um, moving on to the third audiobook that I've listened to since we last did this podcast is I'll be gone in the dark by Michelle McNamara. This is the one that I've this one I think good. has you written all over it, but it's also really tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize when I started this, that this is Patton, Patton Oswald's, uh, wife who passed away okay she at the beginning of the book she alludes that her husband is in hollywood um but sort of it's it's alluded to in a very like inconsequent inconsequential way like they're at an award show she's always wanted to meet larry sanders but he knew how important this particular project was to her so they cut out early from the award show and went home okay and there's really no mention of him until much 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 later in the book and then he does a epilogue, uh, sort of. So wait, this isn't this is. What's the book about? This is about the Golden Gate. Yeah, so uh, it is the one that I, I didn't realize it was it had Gate. anything to do with Patton Oswald. It's about the a serial killer. Is that right? Yes, um, and it's about the uh, masterful true crime account of the Golden State Killer, an elusive serial rapist turned murderer who terrorized California for over a decade and racked up. Um, over fifty rapes and I think twelve murders. Mm. And when 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 she says elusive, they really don't have a clue who this Jeez. guy was. Like this is before DNA or while DNA fingerprinting was mm-hmm. being developed. And she just did this as a passion project. You know, she has a she she'd st- started writing for a uh, a website that that she created for true crime in, in, in enthusiasts and. Unfortunately, while she was writing this book, she tr- tragically passed away um, one night. And this is sort of the collection of all of her notes and sort of musings about this particular case. And this case is its very timely because now H- H- HLN is doing a miniseries mm-hmm. on this that is, I believe, largely inspired by um, this research, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny because... They had caught the guy, yeah. Assuming it's a guy, I mean, of course it is. 
if they'd caught the guy, um, this might have been a bigger deal. I mean, it's a, I know it's a, it's a huge story, but do you know what I mean? Like we, the world likes nice polished finished stories, mm-hmm. and this isn't one of those. And this is a this is a scary one because yeah. of just the sheer total number. Yeah, the numbers involved in the fact that it's still open. It's like the Zodiac killers probably one of the only ones that people know that is such an open-ended uh um nobody knows who did it yeah but that's just because it had you know um elements of well the zodiac right um whereas this one is is you know the sheer sheer scale of of the the crimes involved and yet people don't know about it yeah um and it's, this isn't the Manson murders, you know. This isn't. It doesn't have a beginning, middle, and an end. This is an open case, essentially. It, very much so. And there's also not that Manson cachet to it, where exactly, it was glamorized. Yeah. It doesn't have the uh, motif to it. I think uh, the scariest thing about this is that it is such an open case, and that right. no one knows about it. Like, yes, the people, some of the people in that area know about it, um, and it may be sort of part of the urban legend or the the collective known for mm-hmm. that area. But I was shocked that someone with such a resume was not better known to, you know, America on the whole. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's, it's so, yeah, I had no idea about this yeah. until, you, you know, I'm still not entirely sure at one point they call this particular, uh, perp or as they deem him in the book, the responsible, the unsub, as as in uh, what's that? <laughs> Criminal Minds. Yeah, the something. unsub. Um, they refer to him as the original Night Stalker. Now, I'm not familiar with the actual Night Stalker yeah, murders, yeah. so I'm that's something that I'm going to look into myself. Mm-hmm. Is sort of the Zodiac and the, and the Night Stalker and other sort of California, um, true crime. Californian true crime, a nice little niche uh, subgenre. Really, really interesting. Yeah, book. I, I've run out of. Um, true crime po- there's just a a, a glut of kind of crappy true crime po- podcasts right now it's you know a post serial world where everyone wants to have the next serial what was that next that netflix show that really sort of captured oh making making of a murder or making a murder yeah yeah everyone wants to capture that and it's just led to this onslaught of just really bad you know guy guys in a garage talking about murders yeah. Um. So, you know, this might be a good uh, segue. You know, listen to an audio, a true crime audiobook to sort of s- satisfy that itch. Because I do really like, I like it. I, yeah. w- I recently watched the, the Menendez Brothers um, miniseries. Oh, nice. uh, With uh, what's her name, Edie Edie Falco. Yeah. Um, that was really good. And then we immediately watched the the uh documentary about it. oh nice i know very little about that case so it's good be interesting. yeah i mean good it's terrible <laughs> but um good uh good production um yeah so sounds great i'm gonna give that a go what's it called uh i'll be gone in the dark by michelle mcnamara yeah sounds good um we have plenty of i wanted to talk about the audis we'll talk a little bit about some new releases that are coming out the big one of course. Uh, Pet Cemetery. Yes. Stephen King, narrated by Michael C. Hall. Yeah, that's a big one. That's probably one of the biggest. Pretty books. much, you don't really need to say anything else about yeah, it. Yeah, done. You know? <laughs> um, 
couple other notable uh, releases. One that you're interested in by Chris uh, Bojellian, the flight attendant. Yeah, I thought this sounded really good. He uh, is an author that I actually had some experience with when I was at Random House, but seems to just like clockwork. He's got another book out. Mm. Um, this is the follow-up to the guest room. Right. Um, uh, would you give me a, a remind me the the plot there? A powerful story about ways an entire life can change in one night. A flight attendant wakes up in the wrong hotel, in the wrong bed, with a dead man, and no idea what happened. Love it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, page turner. A page turner, exactly. We we did a page turner slash pulp novel slash airport novel um, episode, remember? That was that was good fun. I actually, I'm, I like those reads. I love them. Yeah. So I yeah. think we should revisit that. Yeah. Um, a few things that were sticking out to me, well, one in particular that I wanted to get your take on. Um, Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. Give me a give me a primer. What is this? Because there's a new movie out. Uh, I noticed there's a new audiobook out. What's the what is it? The basic premise is a uh, modern telling of a Godzilla style story. So you've got uh, kaiju, which is like a very large monster, like a Godzilla, mm-hmm. versus a Gundam, which is like a, or a, or in this case they refer to them as Jaggers. But it's a uh, it's a very large robot. Got it. So it's man in the robot, man v beast versus nature via the beast. Okay, so it's a big Godzilla thing, an extension of that genre. A, a big monster. Yeah. Okay. It was uh, popularized. Am I am I missing something by not getting involved? Because this is a second. It's the second film. Second film. Original film was by Guillermo del Toro, who just oh, was? won. Yeah, uh, the Shape of War. Shape of Water. Um, second one directed by Stephen Tonight of Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Uh, it lost its lead actor in uh, Charlie Hunnam because he's doing uh, a passion project uh, that he so he couldn't return for it. Uh, John Boyega stars mm-hmm. as the son of uh, Idris Elba's character from the first film. In case you haven't noticed, I've seen it. Um, it was good. It was a good popcorn film. Okay. Uh, but with that said, because you're bringing it up in in audiobook. I'm very intrigued because the world that this story takes place in is rife for just proliferation. Mm-hmm. Like it's rife for other stories. Okay. All right. Well, um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. Um, you're not you're not completely selling it to me. It's a little okay. bit Godzilla. Imagine a world that is completely unified because one day monsters start coming out of the ocean okay and a pan-pacific defense fund or army is that what the pacific rim yeah because it comes it comes out of the pacific ocean got it see now you're now we're talking and the world is completely united so australia is one of the launching uh bases japan is heavily the whole world is against this the entire world is completely rallying behind this threat okay children are playing with little kaiju and little Jaeger robots. Got it. It it like I said, it creates a world that you want to know more about. I like that. the films themselves are a little, literally like children smashing mm-hmm. two toys together. Uh, rock, rock'em sock'em. Yeah, but the the audiobooks intrigue me because there's there's a there's so much so many stories that could okay. be told. Cool. Um. So yeah, that's a maybe. I'm, I might go watch the the first movie. Um. The Audis. 
we have a little feature going on on uh, East Stories, the Audi Awards nominees. Um, uh, for those unfamiliar, it's the audiobook uh, Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> The audio, the, it's the Audio Publishers Association um, annual awards, and they've got tons of categories. You're talking audiobook of the year, um, multi-voiced performance, humor, fiction, fantasy, excellence in design, excellence in marketing, business, personal development, erotica even, um, paranormal, young adult. Um, the list goes on. Lots and lots of good, good books. I was pleased to see it's not a complete... Um, um over overtaking by audible studios there's quite a lot in there but yeah there's there's still uh they haven't they haven't completely dominated the market quite yet mm-hmm. um lincoln and the bardo features quite heavily heavily um well, of course it being so such a multi-layered production um, production yeah uh check i i would um i would uh highly recommend looking over some of the uh, um, award nominees on East Stories. We've got 92 of them, um, which isn't quite them all, but represents... Yeah, there are some Amazon exclusives. Amazon, yeah, minus Amazon Audible exclusives. Yeah. uh, We have pretty much them all. Um, We've got some really good stuff in there. And um, you can also check out the the audiopub.org. They have a list of all the... Previous nominees, previous winners, current nominees, and everything about the the Audis. I think it's a good a good uh, thing to support if you're into audiobooks. This you know, this is the this is what's gonna make it um, a little more you know more and more mainstream. Um, it has a lot of industry support from you know you're talking um, Find a Way, um, Zebra Lucian, um, Dayan Audio. Lots of lots of uh, authors' republic audiophile, um, lots of lots you know uh, established brands in the audiobook world. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a good thing. Check it out. It's always kind of fun and a little bit of a surreal moment in and around the audio awards. Uh, Julie Wilson and Dan Zitt, who I worked with at Random House, I think like the last two or three years, walk. Uh, go home with several awards and i know that they're nominated again this this year for a bunch of stuff so i uh i'll be wishing them uh luck again next year you'll um you'll we'll be talking about winning the uh the award for best audiobook podcast i'm sure um for production value well (laughs) hey we we took a step up from a a little zoom mic sat in a corner um all right, so I think that's probably all we have time for um, this week. Uh, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, episode 9, that's it in the can. Again, apologies for the delay. Um, hope it, you haven't, it hasn't left you too disappointed. I do think really quickly, b- b- before we go, uh, we should set a goal for ourselves that when we talk in two weeks, we should be ready to discuss the film adaptation of... Uh, Ready Player One. Oh yeah, when does that come out? Uh, Friday. It's Friday. Okay, yeah. so that's my plan sorted for the weekend. All right. Um, yeah, let's let's do another re- a reappraisal of Ready Ready Player Player One. Um, and we'll be discussing. Remind us of the book Tangerine, Tangerine. by Christine 
Mangan, right? Yeah. Tangerine by Christine Mangan. Listen along. Join us in two weeks, um, and we'll be discussing it. Thanks very much from me, Matt Robinson. And me, Brian Fairbog. Have a great week. Bye.